0: Welcome to this week's episode of Shit Shadow Chase. This is Jennifer and this week I have Mom Des say hello. Hi everyone. Um, this week we are well first I will apologize because I took a week off last week because it was my birthday. So I turned thirty-five and I did not do any work. So that was why there was no episode last week. But we have a new contributor this week, Mom, Dad, who I'm excited to talk to. So we're I'm excited Desh- as well. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a mom, first and foremost. I have five boys. They range from 5-year-old to 11-year-old. Um, I'm a nurse. And, I mean, that's about it. I'm a student as well, but there's nothing exciting about that, so. (laughs) There is things exciting about being a student, but first you said that you have five kids. So that is probably the largest difference between the two of us and, overall, the largest difference between most people who are having kids now, because you don't really hear about people having five kids. So was that intentional on your part, or did it just kind of happen that way? It happened. So when I had my first child, I was 19, very young, and I didn't realize how expensive kids were until I had my third son, and I actually had to work. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't. So, um, yeah, with my first three kids, I had money. Like, I always had money. And then once I was making $10 an hour, I was like, what the fuck? Did I get myself into? And ironically, my fourth child, me and my husband, oh, I'm a wife as well. Me and my husband, we planned him because we wanted to have a girl. I ate sweet potatoes and did everything he said so you can have a girl, and he still popped out a boy. And then my <laughs> fifth son, yeah, my fifth son, I don't know where he came from. I don't know. Don't that, was that. <laughs> was, that was very young. He was A gift from God. He, he's a blessing. Um, so he really is. Out of all of them, like, how different would you say all of them are? Um, do any of them act the same, or are there any things that you did differently with all of them that you um, wouldn't do with others or didn't do with others? It's five different personalities in my household. I could say if I had Tobin, which is my five-year-old, if I would have had him first, I don't think I would have had any more. And if I would have had, I'm serious, because he is, you've seen him, he's a handful. Um, Niger, the oldest, he's the sweetest person I know. Like, he's caring, caring, he's nurturing, he cares about his um, brothers. Then Eric, the 10-year-old, I don't even think he knew I was pregnant. Like, he doesn't even recognize that new individuals are in the household. Ashton, he's like, we call him a sweet, he's like a, um, a sour patch kid. He's really sweet, and then he's really sour, but he's very protective over me. But when he's mad at me, it's like I have the devil in my house. Um, Logan, <laughs> Logan, that's the one we actually planned, and I call him the child that I sacrificed because I went to nursing school right after I had him. So me and him never really got to bond. Like I had a bond with all of my kids besides him. So unfortunately, even though I planned him, he's a lot closer to his father than he is to me, and he's actually the only one who really looks like me, and me and him, I'm not going to say we don't get along, but we don't mesh like that. So you commented that you were able to stay home with the first three kids. So how would you compare being a stay-at-home mom, quote-unquote, to being a working mom? Because I know they're very different dynamics. Like most people aren't able to stay at home for 12 weeks, let alone two and three years. So how would you describe those two experiences and how different they were? I enjoyed it. Well, with my first son, he had um, five open-heart surgeries. So I'm not going to say I was forced to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not going to say I was forced to stay home, but I was financially stable where I didn't need to work. But, like, the more kids I had, the more I realized, like, oh, my gosh, I cannot stay in the house with these kids. Like, I'm going to drive myself Hmm. crazy. So I commend moms to stay at home. You guys have my full support. I cannot do it. I would rather work than stay at home. And I actually um, after I had my third son, I went into daycare. So I was a teacher at um, Head Start. And I literally had to get out of there because I felt like I would get a diagnosis case because I wake up in the morning and I get my kids situated. And then I go to school and I teach kids. And then I come back home and I have my kids and I'm like, I cannot do this. I.E. I'm a nurse. I mean, I'm I am that about I I give kudos to anybody who's a teacher or works in a daycare or any of that, like, where my kids go to school. Right now there are three of the women who have their kids at the school. And I'm like, I don't – I really – see what you said. I don't understand how you go to work with kids. And sometimes your kids all day get up Mm -hmm. with your kids in the morning and go to bed. Like, that's – you never have any time to yourself. I don't – like, I agree. I stayed home – with the first one, involuntarily. Voluntarily, I stayed home for 12 weeks. Involuntarily, I stayed home for another three months. Um, and the caveat to that is those the extra for 12 weeks, I was my child, my son went to daycare, so it wasn't like I really had a stay-at-home mom situation. I don't really know that I would have survived it because it drives me crazy now when I get home and I'm like, can you know, y'all just please stop saying my name? Can you sit in the car and not say my name? Can you say something else? Can you not say mommy mm-hmm. Can you go ask your daddy for something? Can you, no, you can't have juice. No, you can't have a popsicle. No, you were acting up today, so you can't do this. So I don't know how you deal with that on a normal day basis. So I agree with you. Um, uh, back to you, said so your your first son had open heart surgery. So what contributed to those surgeries, and um, how is it? Um, so at first, what contributed to those surgeries? So are you asking like how he had like how he has the heart condition? Yes. yes. Honestly they they don't know. Um I think it's more genetics honestly. So me and Jennifer were cousins. we were first cousins. On my mom's side of the family, a lot of um the females have heart conditions. They never proved with Niger that it is a genetic factor but I'm assuming it is. I have heart problems. My sister has a heart murmur. Two of me and Jennifer's cousins had, actually one had the same condition as Najir. I think in the 70s. They're called blue babies. Um, and unfortunately that child didn't survive. And I think the sibling as well had a different heart defect and that child didn't survive it um, also. And our grandmother, Amy, she had an enlarged heart. So I, I'm like 90% sure it's a genetic factor, but it was never proven. Um, So he has tricuspid atresia. It, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what is his heart condition? Oh, he has tricuspid atresia. So basically, he's missing his right valve on the right side of his heart. So he had this shunt, and it redirected the blood flow. And then he had a hemifont pain, and they literally took – the valves and they reconnected it, one to his body and one to, um, towards his lungs. So, I mean, okay. now he's doing excellent. It's the first two years. Let me tell you guys something. I've cursed doctors out. I've cursed nurses out. I've almost tried to fight a nurse because of my son. I advocate for my children. Like, I really do. In the first That's two years. years, it was very, yeah, it was very stressful because I was 19. I just lost my mom. And a lot of times, when you're that young and you're African-American, they look at you like a statistic. And Mm -hmm. they they didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to tell me what was going on with my son. And I'm like, look, y'all are going to let me know what's going on with my son. I've had nurses. You never know who people know. And I knew somebody who knew the president of the hospital. Girl, I had every doctor and nurse catering to my son by the time I was done with him. And... I think that more people need to do that. Like, people say, oh, my gosh, you're being overreactive. And I know people who, not only you, because I talked to you during that experience, but I know people who just let things ride and let people, you know, doctors. Like, I was in the room with a friend of mine when she had her daughter, and unfortunately, during the Uh, delivery, a doctor was not tall enough, fell on her stomach. As a result, I think it's called um, Bell's Palsy. It's wherever you have stretched muscles in your neck or in your shoulder area. She did not know that there was something wrong with her child until she got home and got the bill and saw that they did x-rays on her child. Like She did not oh know God. they had done certain things to her child, and she ended up suing the hospital and the doctors, and there was this long situation. Um, but, like, you have to be, as a parent and as a mother, like, very engaged. And I think the other thing people don't understand is there are so many things that can happen from the time you conceive a child to when you deliver that child that you really don't have any control over. Like, when did you find out in the process that there was a um a, a concern or an issue? So real quick, in regards to your friend, it's not Bell's palsy. It's Twitter Uh um, okay. like when the neck is twisted. Yeah, but so with my son not here, I was six months, I was 22 weeks, and they were doing anatomy skin, and I knew something was wrong because the technician he just kept going over his heart, but I didn't know what I was looking at, and I'm just like, and I'm gonna say his dad, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is wrong with this guy? It's just me being young. <laughs> Right. And then he went his supervisor in and he was like, "Oh, we can't find his Tricuspid valve." And I'm not I didn't know what that was. like no, okay, whatever. So then right. I had to see a um an echo. Uh well, sure. I had to get an echo. And they told me they was like, "You have 2 weeks." And I'm like, "What do you mean I have 2 weeks?" So in the state of New Jersey, you can have a termination unfortunately between um from the time you find out you're pregnant up into 24 weeks it said you're 22 Mm -hmm. weeks you have two weeks to decide if you're going to keep him and not keep him or not and I literally like for a whole week I just thought about it and it's just like I started crying because I lost my mom and I'm just like oh my gosh why is God doing this to me and I decided I was like no whatever happens it's going to happen I'm keeping my baby and I told him I'm going to keep him and You know, for the first two years, we just, we lived basically in DuPont in Delaware. In the hospital. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to mothers or parents of who either A, find out that something is happening while they're pregnant or B, after they've had their child and they're dealing with the, um, effects of having a child with health issues? Like, not that he currently has health issues, but how would you – what advice would you give to somebody who is going through that situation? So, one, I would say do your research. The more knowledge you have, um, the less – because physicians, unfortunately, they try to gear you into what's best for them, in my opinion, and honestly, Mm -hmm. what's best for them and easier for them isn't always what's best for you and your child. So do your research, be educated, and get second opinions, third opinions, fourth opinions. If your if your insurance doesn't want to pay for something, appeal it. I am the appealing bitch. I will appeal. Anything. <laughs> and, I, and I do insurances for a living as well, so I appeal. Like, um, and then in regards to if you do like if you find out after your child is born, use your family as a support system. I know for me it was really hard, I keep saying this, I lost my, literally I lost my mom like a year before I had my child, Mm -hmm. and all of my family, it was like once my mom left, all my family left as well, and my mom's not from Jersey, neither was my father, so my sisters, they moved to Chicago, I was kind of by myself, and it Mm -hmm. made me stronger. But I feel like at times I'm too strong, and I should have leaned on my family more. Like, my family was only two and a half hours away, three hours away, and I know Mm -hmm. if I called them, they would have came up. So I would say definitely lean on your family more if you're able to, and know that you don't have to make every decision by yourself, Mm -hmm. And, and also be confident in the decision that you do make. Know that it's best for your child, and don't let... And I say don't let no one sway you once you came up with your decision of what you're going to do. Don't let anybody put nothing in your ear because you're doing what's best for your child and you're your child's advocate. Mm, that is true. Like, nobody's going to fight for your child the way that you do. Not a doctor, do not a nurse, not a nothing. Um, you brought up dealing with insurance. Um, how is managing the cost of having um a child who's had five heart surgeries and, um, has an ongoing health issue. Cause I'm sure that that, that nothing is, nothing in life is free when it's uh-huh. when a child about like doctors and hospitals. But. Let me tell you guys something. My son, when he was two, um, unfortunately the medication that he had for his heart ate away at his teeth. And basically when he was having the surgeries, his body focused more on healing him than his teeth that were developing. So his teeth were messed up. To get his teeth done, they wind up. It was supposed to be same day procedure. He wound up staying in the hospital for a week because they scarred his, um, like his trachea and his pipe, so it wind mm-hmm. up causing him to have strider. That bill for his teeth, Jennifer, fifty-six thousand dollars. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Teeth for teeth. I'm talking about he got four caps for teeth. Yes. But it affected. It wound up affecting his heart, his breathing. He wound up staying in the hospital longer. Yes. Um, So insurances, fortunately, he gets SSI. That was a battle in itself because when I applied for the SSI for him, this is when I had like hundreds of thousand dollars in my bank account and it was looking right. So they (laughs) they denied him. (laughs) They denied him. Um, I appealed it three times. And then when I became broke and I was making $10 an hour and they denied me the third time, I'm like, look, I'm poor now. Like, y'all can't keep denying me. So they approved him, and he gets insurance through um, through SSI. Mm-hmm. But that in itself is still a battle because every two years I have to appeal it. Now that I make more money, they're always saying, oh, he might not be eligible. So that in itself is a nightmare. So he's on my insurance through my job as well. And basically – my insurance picks it up, and then whatever they don't cover, his SSI insurance does cover. So it's not that bad, honestly. I really can't complain about that. Mm-hmm. And how is he now with, because um, I know it affects his, um like, oxygen levels and times and everything. How is he as far as, like, school and sports and um all that kind of stuff? Okay, so sports, that's out of the question because he can barely breathe half the time. And he has asthma. So there was a point in time, forget the whole heart situation. He almost died, because, literally almost died. The boy was blue and gray. Um, I believe he has allergy-induced asthma. They never diagnosed him with it, and they never figured out what he was allergic to, but he went into anaphylaxis. Um, So he has asthma, so he can't really play sports. In regards mm-hmm. to his education, he definitely had the IEP. Um, this year, though, this past um, year, he had, um, what is that, honor roll, distinguishable honor honor roll? He had that all year mm-hmm. round. He's, like, one of the best students in his school. So I'm proud of him. But he does get help, and he does get assistance, and he does have a speech problem. He has a list, but that's more so from when he was two and they scarred his um, like teeth. his pipe, his airway pipe, yeah. His teeth for $56,000. Yeah. That's a one yeah. Jeffery question. I'm just like, teeth for $56,000? <laughs> How much? How much? Girl, the fact that he has braces now, I'm like, and I have to pay for that out of pocket. I just switched jobs, so I'm praying that um my new job, they have the so they can help me pay because I'm tired of paying $500 <laughs> every month. <laughs> Oh, um, so you also mentioned that you are married. Um, so I know that you've been married for a long time, but you've been with the same person for 10 years. So how is having five children, A, affect your relationship, and or, B, um, your, like, dating life, or how you um, all go about being and staying married? Oh, my gosh. So me and I have been together for 13 years. And I think we've been married. So, real quick, me and him are separated. I don't really know what we are, so I really forgot how long we've been married, but it's been since 2009. Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like when you have kids, you forget. Well, when you have so many kids and they're not planned and we're so young. I'm only 31. I feel like mm-hmm. we forgot about each other. And we lost Mm -hmm. each other, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. I mean, there's other things that contribute to the fact that we're separated, but um, I feel like we just fell out of love with each other. And if we didn't have so many kids or if we focused on one another, we wouldn't be in such a horrible situation that we're in now. Mm -hmm. So um, what else did you ask? I'm sorry. Um, that was what I asked. How would you, um, how has that affected your life? So for you, you feel like you all lost custody of other. And that's something we've talked about before on the podcast is how, as a mother of two, two, let alone five, I can't even imagine what it's like with five, but two, like you're vying for time for yourself so much, it's hard to think about time for your partner or you know, I you just want to go sleep. Huh? <laughs> No, I said I agree. Like I know now that me and him separated. I'm I, at times I feel like I'm a bad mom because I fell back so much. Like I used to be so involved, and ever since this past January, I just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm such a horrible mom. I'd rather drink a bottle of wine or watch TV. But I feel like I've been so involved and invested with our kids in our marriage that it's okay for me to be selfish and that he can and he's not he's an excellent father I never want to take that away from him but he can pick up the pieces and be more involved now that we're um we're separated and I would have mm-hmm. to say to moms out there and wives out there you cannot make excuses like If he want a little nookie, give him a little nookie. Like, I know you're tired. I'm serious, though. Just do it. And then I remember I did listen to your one podcast. You can have date night in the kitchen, put the kids to bed, or even if you take a walk, but you have to keep that, the spark and the love alive, or it's going to die out and y'all are going to wind up resenting each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I was having a conversation with somebody today who, ironically, doesn't have kids and doesn't – and they're not married, but they are with somebody. And they were like, I need you not to want to have, like, triathlon and some theatrical sex at 2 a.m. any day. Like, can we, like, make this before 9 or, like, right when we get in the the bed? Like, like I think that's my thing. Like, I can't – like, A, we on on a time schedule. I got to get up in the morning, you got to get up in the morning. Do we really have to do this whole, all the pieces and all the all of this? Can we just like get in and get out real fast or can you start at an earlier time? Like at 6.30 in the morning when I got to get out the bed at 7 to go feed these kids, is not an optimal time for you to be trying to be like let's get it popping for 45 minutes. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, but once in a while I think it's okay for it to work that way. You could be 30 minutes late to work once a month. Is that when he wants to get it on and pop. You just got to be spontaneous, I think. And now that me and him aren't together. Let me tell you, when I get when I get a new man, maybe when I'm 40, I'm going to be. <laughs> you want to see me do tricks? You want to see me roll and balance <laughs> on the ball? I'm serious because I see what these. Jen, I'd be so tired of Instagram because all I see is I need a king. I need a queen. Everyone's begging for love. And I don't, I am mean, first of all, I'm not going to beg for love. But once I find love and find my partner, you want me to be Houdini? I'm going to be Houdini. You want me to turn into a pretzel? I'm going to turn into a pretzel. We're going to figure this out. But I think you have to sacrifice as well. Like, we can't get it on and popping every day at 630 in the morning and I got to be to work at 9 o'clock. But you could throw on a little lingerie and be sexy for him every now and then. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. That's all I'm saying. That's funny that you mentioned that because I really just had this thought and conversation the other day as well about lingerie. And I've never been a lingerie wearer because it's stupid to me. Like, A, I'm not going to walk out of my bedroom with lingerie on or nightgown or a negligee, which means i got to change my clothes again. And then, B, I'm like, it really serves no purpose because you're going to take it off. So I'm, like, caught in this really weird um, it, it serves purpose like, Jen uh, for, it's like for your name, It dollars you go to Forever 21 get you one of them little lace little sexy bras and put, get some little sexy underwear you don't have to spend 60 I mean I have some that are $60 and I have some that are $20 guys don't care they don't care at all but they like that visual so that, yes so to your point yes you do have to make some sacrifices and I think The challenge for me, at least, I can't speak for all my challenges for me is like, I'm so tired by the time I didn't. It's funny, I was about to post something today. i finish this thought. I lay in the bed as long as possible because the moment that I get up, I'm not going to hit the bed again until it's time for me to go to bed. Like, I don't get the luxury of sitting on the couch and playing a video game or surfing my group me for um, random stuff in the middle of the afternoon because I'm making dinner or I'm playing coloring or I'm going over a letter. So I'm like, I think that's the other thing. Like for me, and this sounds very, very selfish, but I'm like, it would turn me on if you just like cooked one night unexpectedly or picked up these kids from daycare one day unexpectedly. Like I, it, I think so much of the time and I'm just trying to get out of it is focused on me being like, okay, I'm so tired. I'm not, I don't have enough energy to give to something else. That lasts longer than 25, 30 minutes. Like, Why I don't like want nobody to to me for more than 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, yesterday, but. I made a point to come home and watch the Grace, not Grace Matter, Game of Thrones, because we missed it on Sunday, et cetera. So I'm like, okay, I know he want to do this thing, so let me go up here and do this. And I get, I go upstairs, I get in the bed, I'm like, all ready, turn to go to bed. And I'm like, I know this is going to be 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to be irritated I'm going to be mad. Lo and behold, what happens? So I'm like, can we not do this at 2 a.m.? Like, no, there are other times. <laughs> well, you can also make your life a little easier and simpler. And I think this just comes with the longer, well, I don't want to say the longer, you're a mom. But for me, I don't like leftovers, but let me tell you something. My kids, they can eat leftovers. So oh, yeah. if you're tired of coming home every single day, making a meal, make something where it lasts for two days. Mm-hmm. That's a simple solution. Um, I would speak to your husband and let him know, like, let's not, anything past 12 a.m., you're going to have to get the bottle of lotion and you're going to have to do the hand <laughs> exercise. I'm not contributing. I'm not. But I, I, just make your life easier. That's how I see it. So speaking of, like, as you are a mom longer, like, what things are different and easier as your kids get older? Because I'm 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 in the weeds of young babies, so my life is not at all easy. But you have older – I mean, you have a wide range, but some of them are a lot older. Like, what are the main things that are different for you now that you've been able to experience, like, having young ones and now having older ones who are independent? So the benefit of them getting older is they're more independent – they can, all of them shower by themselves, which to me is, like, the greatest thing in the world because I, I hate being How much shower. is your damn water bill? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you to get into that. I'm like, but, that's, um, that's, I'm I just counting seven showers a day. Oh, you gotta forget I got, don't forget I have Maddie, so it's eight. Oh, so eight showers a day. Yes. Eight that's showers a day. A day. It is. But. Them being more independent, it's a huge relief, but it's just different issues when they're babies. You gotta, you know, feed them, dress them, et cetera. But when they get older, it's like, you gotta do the homework with them. You gotta, my biggest thing is my 10 year old. His, him and the 6 year old are probably my smartest ones. And he lied. He, got two C's he had on a roll for a second market period and then third and fourth he brought home C's and it's because he said he had no homework. I communicated with his teacher, I said his teacher to reach out to me. She felt like that wasn't her job, et cetera, et cetera. But him lying to me, it's like I had to become fucking inspector gadget to figure out when he had homework. <laughs> and then I gotta go and I'm the I'm the mom. I had to go all the way up to the superintendent. And speak to the superintendent to get one of his grades erased. Because oh, his goodness. teacher and he weren't like, Oh, yeah. I tell you, when I sat. Why did he want to do the homework? Because he's, he's Eric. Because he's Bruce. Bruce does what he wants <laughs> to do. <laughs> that I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you why he didn't want to do it. It's just he chose not to do it. And that's literally why he got C's. All his tests, A's. Thank God they were A's or he probably would have had a D. But him not doing his homework and not participating, you got know, Mhm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that I think just I don't know. It it's just different issues. It, it doesn't really become easier. It's just different situations you have to handle. Got gotcha. you. That's true. Like you do sacrifice out. Like I have two older stepkids, and I feel like. Some of the issues, because I dealt with somebody who lied, too, but they did it like in a psychopath way. Like they oh. came, boo-hoo and cried and swore to God and swore on graves that they had done something that they had not done. Because oh basically they signed up for the account. It's a Prezi account or something that everybody does something on. And they signed up for the account. And you can see when they signed up for the account. So we're like, wait a minute. So how long you been working on this? Like, it was something silly. Like, oh, you did this Black History Month project. Who did you do it on? When were they born? They were like, oh, no, it's my presentation. We were like, what the hell? Like, you should have learned something instead of just copying and pasting. And I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And their mom and their dad are like, no, this fool is lying. Don't believe him. And all of it, like it, I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh no, they lied. Like they were standing in the middle of the floor, tears streaming down their face. Man, yo, I swear I did it. I swear I did it. Yeah. And I was like, this is what psychopaths do. Like psychopaths <laughs> lie and I, I, I believe crazy. their like, own it lies. Got, it got so deep and far. Like we like talked about sending them to military school. Like it, because I was like, who can? I lied about some stuff in school. and Shit, I might have lied about um, homework a year, and then I got caught halfway through the year and got my ass beat. But like, this was so far that I was up on my. Like, they committed and held to it. I was like, wait a minute, now. I don't know mm. how difficult people can lie like this. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't like if you can lie this well and believe yourself that much. I can't do nothing with that. Like I, I can't coax that. Like that's something I can't deal with. But it ended up being, it was sixth grade year. So it apparently is some mental growth or shift in, like, the frontal lobe at that time period. Because there's so much transition going on. Like, you're transitioning from, you know, being in elementary school and being, like, the highest in your totem pole to, like, hormones and going to, like, Mm -hmm. middle school and having all this independence. And so we, like, read a lot of articles and research trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is going on? Because I think I lose it. Like, I can't put my hands on nobody else's kid, A, and B, this person isn't lying. Like, what else you to lie about? Because my mother raised me. If you lie, you'll steal, you'll steal, you lie. And I ain't raising mm-hmm. nobody to be a liar or a stealer. Um, but it ended up being that they were going through this huge transition in life, not that it all excuses lies, because I was of the belief that if you want to lie and you ain't do your work and it's the day before, you're just going to get an F. Like, I'm not going to help you not fail. But <laughs> want to fail... Like, that's, I might be harsh on that, but I'm like, if you chose to get an F, guess what? You're going to have to get an F. Like, I remember being in high school and I go to school for half a year just because I was out bullshitting and doing nothing, like hanging with people I shouldn't be been hanging with and doing all kinds of shit. I yeah. had to work my way up to getting my grades back by working my ass off for two years. So, like, that's my <clears throat> um thought from a parenting standpoint is I'm not going to do this for you because guess what? In life. Don't nobody come bail you out of work. Sure don't. Don't nobody come bail you out of college. So you need to learn this lesson early. And I think that's part of me being so hard because of the way that I was raised. Um, which I'm trying to be more lenient on, but that, um, line in schoolwork is, is a beast. Cause I'm, again, I don't know how to deal with that. Like, if you're going to lie to my face, I'm just going to beat your ass. Like, <laughs> <laughs> see for me, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know my what else kids. to. Do. See, for me, with my kids, in regards to discipline or if they get into a situation, I'll help them out one time and one time only. After that, even when they're babies, so, like, let's say they wanted to turn on the hot water, and I'm like, that's hot. I'll remove them from it. If they do it again, I'll literally let them fill it. The only thing I've never let them make a mistake with or put them in harm's way is electricity or the soap. Yeah. Because I'm like, no. Yeah. But um, Cause you're anything, that, like, yeah. <laughs> anything else, like, you want to find out I tried to help you, but I feel like my kids, and I feel like people in general, they learn better by making mistakes. But mm. after the first mistake, I, I can't help you. I can't. I can't help you at all. My kids, they'll lend somebody, like, they'll give their friend a dollar. Oh, they didn't give me my dollar back. Okay, I'll go talk to them. If you do it again, Is, that's on you. It's, it's on you. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like I'm similar to that, but part of me is also on the earning thing. So, how many of your kids have like smartphones? Okay, the older three have cell phones. Najir, I don't think it's a smart and it's a smartphone, but it's like the clearer smartphone. Eric has mm-hmm. the Gizmo Watch. And then Ashton, the eight year old, he has the iPhone. Now I know that's asked backwards, but my <laughs> brother, my, yeah, my brother bought the eight year old an iPhone. And I think it's just because they're, they're close and they literally, they're like the same person if you ask me. Eric, I got him the gizmo watch because he's able, I'm able to track where he's at. With the watch, and he, Eric loses stuff, so it's just more convenient for him. And here since he's the oldest, that was just the first, he was the first one to have the phone, and I felt like that phone was the fight for him, honestly. Right. But um they all have, re- well, I take that back. Najir and Eric have restrictions, and I'm able to see everything that they do, because they're on my plan. Unfortunately, I'm not an iPhone user, I have no clue how iPhones work, and he's on my brother's plan. So, I'm able to look on his phone, but I don't know what I'm looking at. So I really don't monitor Ashton's phone, and I know I should, but I don't. But, um <laughs> yeah, I know. I, re- I really should because they had an incident mm, three years ago where they did something very inappropriate on their tablet. And when I say oh, God. they oh, got my their God. ass beat. <laughs> three, three years ago, beat. they were only seven. So what could you be doing inappropriate on your phone at seven? Of their ass, <laughs> Take of their ass, yeah. And I mean, I spoke to I spoke to people about it, and they said like they weren't. It's not really inappropriate at that age, so I kind of like let it right. slide. But they still, I took their tablets away for them for I think six months, and they got their ass beat. And they got a nice ass. And I'm not. I don't like. I'm. Not, I don't like beating my kids because I feel like. Me taking something away from them is more detrimental than me yeah. whipping their ass. And I hurt myself and, whipping their ass. Correct. Like, like, it, it I'm, not a, I'm not a beater in any means. Like, I'm not going to be out here, like, popping kids. Like, I'm, like, I'm going to give you a nice, stern conversation. I'm going to raise my voice. The last resort for me is a pop. Like, now when mm-hmm. we're still young, when we get to school, what are you supposed to have on today? My listening ears. If you don't have your listening ears, what's gonna do? It used to be I'm gonna pop you, like because that's what my husband would do. Now it's turned into I won't get a treat because basically when I get them from school, they have a snack, and I call that snack a treat, whether or not it's goldfish or whatever. My mother makes it juice and popsicles, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so now it's I won't get a treat, and that treat is way more impactful than any mm-hmm. pop that ever happened. So yeah. I, I think there's something, too, not, like, a a pop is not abuse, and I will pop if necessary. Like, I think that's the the difference. But I do think there's, too, something to taking things that they want away. Because you have to figure out what works for each kid also. Because for some kids, popping them will make a difference. It's other kids that my father has been like, they used to beat my ass all the time, and I used to laugh in their face. And that would infuriate me because then I might really, really hurt you. <laughs> if you laugh in my face, when I think I'm doing something to discipline you. Mm, that's what my eight-year-old does. That's why I learn, because especially when you have all boys, like, I'm a female. So I try to put the fear of God in my kids, because I'll be damned if you think that when you turn 15 and you're bigger than me and you got some chest hair and some hair down there, that you're going to try to flex on me. But... um I feel like they have the fear of God when they know that I'm going to react to them. But I also know that I hurt their feelings more. If I'm taking your phone away, that hurts their feelings. If they don't get a snack, that hurts their feelings. If they can't go outside and play with their friends, it's the end of the world. If I pop them, they're looking at me like, huh. I remember one time Ashton laughed at me. And Ashton, even though he's only eight, he's the biggest out of all my kids. This would mm-hmm. laughed at me and, like, flexed back and, like, pushed me. Girl. Ooh, I thought I was going to have dystice in my life. And I literally <laughs> had to breathe and walk away because I knew. I was like, this yeah. did not turn out well. Yeah. Because the other thing is angry discipline is the worst kind because you're not in, like, you're not being sane at that point. Yeah, you're not sane. You're not in your right state of mind. And I never want – I. I never want to do nothing to my kids, whether it's a pop or Correct. A, a remark I say to them that's going to affect them later on in life. So I do mm-hmm. try to be conscientious of the way that I discipline them and what I say to them. So sometimes I literally, I will just walk away. Like, l- let me clear my mind. Right. like Let me let me take five seconds to think about it. Um, yes. So the other thing is, so you say you had children late. So I have two more questions. You say you had children early, not late. How do you think, if you could go back and change when you had your children, would you? And do you think that you feel like you missed out on anything or trying to do more to make up for things you may or may not have done younger because you had children? Okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to answer the first question first, and you're probably going to have to repeat the second question because I'm going to (laughs) forget. But (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) So in regards to, I, I definitely believe I had kids. Too early, but now that I'm 31, I look at it as a blessing. And, I don't know, this is, I'm so torn, because sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have waited until I was like 35 to have kids. But I feel like if I didn't have my kids, I might not be where I'm at in life. But then I also think if I didn't have my kids, I could have been further in life as well, because, I mean, I got accepted into colleges, and I, I didn't go away to college because my mom, but if I didn't have kids, like would I have went to college the following year? Would I be a lot more successful than I am now? Huh, I don't know. But then right I look at my sister and me and my sister have the same mom and dad, so it's like, would I have just turned up and just live life, you know, on a day to day basis and figure out how what my next move is gonna be the next day. So I don't know, I, I look at my kids as a blessing. I wish that I don't want to say I wish I didn't have five because I love all five of my kids. But if right. I didn't know them at all, I would say I probably would have waited until I was, like, 27, and I probably would have had two. Um, yeah. What was the other question? Um, Are there things you're doing now that you feel like you're making up for, time that you missed? That, like, when your, when your friends were out popping bottles and going to the club every 2.5 seconds at 22 – do you feel like you're doing things now to make up for the time you lost? I would say yes, but not to make up for the time I'm, I lost. I think it's because I'm transitioning from being married. Let me tell you, when I was married, I walked around. I called them the silly braids with two little braids in my head or two little twists in my head. Barely did anything to myself. And it's just because I was so comfortable. Like, I ain't looking for no man, you know, whatever. I don't need to go out. And I'm at, and, Introvert, maybe an ambivert. Like, I like staying in, but my friend's always like, oh, right, you should come out because when I go out, it's like I'm the life of the party. So Mm -hmm. now that me and him aren't really together and we get on each other's nerves frequently, I like going out just to get away and escaping. But a lot of times I just go to my friend's house and sit on the couch and drink wine. So I don't know if I'm making up for it because my kids are older. I think I'm making up not making a point, I think I'm doing it because of the situation I'm in with my husband, not because of my kids. Because exactly. this is I just started partying and doing all this stuff within the last nine months, and just living life carefree. And do you think that people can do that? So people who are married, um, do you think that that's a possibility for you to do, um, even if you are married, like still living your life and being your own? Because I think that's an important thing that people forget. Even even though you are married, you still have to have a life of your own. And for me, being a wife and a mother and a friend, like, all of those roles are equally important to me. I feel like the one that takes the most sacrifice sometimes is the friend part, which means, like, I got to get me back. And I hear people say that all the time is I want to get myself back. I want to get my life back. I want to get that back. And granted, it will never be what it was, but do you think there are things you could have done differently to still have a sense of self? So it's funny that you asked me that because me and my kid's father, we were talking, I mean, we're not like enemies. We, we just have our differences, but we were talking maybe a month ago and he was saying like, I should have let you go out more. And he never kept me from going out. Like I, I say this all the time. Like I like, I'm a homebody really. I, if you ask anybody, I love being at home. But. Mm-hmm. He was like, you should have went out more and did this, that, and the third. And I said the same thing to him. Like, you should have went out and spent time with your friends. But we were so consumed with the kids and each other, it's kind of like we lost ourselves. And I think that mm-hmm. is so important in a marriage. Like, you have, you have to have time for you and you have to have time for your friends. Because if you don't, it's kind of like you start, you start resenting your kids. And that's just being honest. You resent yeah. your kids. And you resent your husband because it's like, oh, if I didn't have these five kids, I could go out. (laughs) If I didn't have to do that blowjob at 9 o'clock, maybe I could be out. And it's just like you have to make time for yourself. So I always tell my girlfriends, like, if it's something like going to get a manicure, a pedicure, and your eyebrows done and you spending two hours a week for yourself, do it. Mm -hmm. Go buy you an outfit. I'm I'm a shoe hoarder. I have like a hundred pairs of shoes. I buy <laughs> two pairs of shoes a month, unfortunately, and there's so many shoes. And I only wear four pairs of shoes. But shoes make me happy, just like cigarettes right. make people happy. Shoes make me happy, and I buy them mm-hmm. and I look at them sitting on the shelf with the price tag on, and that makes me happy. <laughs> but you you know you have to make time for yourself. You have to. I don't know, especially new moms, like, I had postpartum depression with all of my kids. I think all of my kids I had postpartum depression. Oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, I lost myself, and I carried myself. Like, I didn't feel like Desiree, and it didn't take me until, like, I had to go get my hair, my makeup done. I just had to feel fabulous, and once I did that, I was like, okay, you pop, babe. you pop it. but I'm telling you, all moms, especially if you breastfeed, you need to take care of good because postpartum is definitely, definitely Hold real. on. We lost yes. you after especially if you breastfeed. Oh, I was saying, especially if you breastfeed. Because breastfeeding takes so much out of you. It's like mm-hmm. you need to take time for yourself. Like I breastfed all mm-hmm. five of my kids. And when I see moms who breastfeed, what I, I see them. <laughs> it takes a lot out of you, so I'm just saying, like, take care of yourself because postpartum depression is so real. And breastfeeding. Sorry, y'all. We're on a we're on a Google Voice call. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I going in and, in and out? out? Yes. Yeah. Postpartum depression. <laughs> oh, post. Can you hear me or now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Jen? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you can hear me. So I was saying postpartum depression is very real. And if you have, regardless if you have it or not or if you breastfeed or not, if you're a new mom, you need to take care of yourself. Because I didn't. <laughs> and I literally, like, I cried. I had crazy thoughts in my head. So just take care of yourself. Find time for you. And make yourself so fabulous. I would agree with all those things. Um, and yes. it's interesting that you say postpartum, because you're probably the third mom that I've talked to that says they have postpartum, and it seems like it's always this so far away thing that nobody ever thinks about um, <clears throat> affecting them. and. I think you said it like you have to I think the important thing about about postpartum is know the sign. I did not. Um, I do think that I felt like weird for with one of them but I don't think by any means I had postpartum but I also was very cognizant of that before. Like I felt like I was like researching everything in the world and looking for the signs of everything. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I look for the signs of it and not to feel that because I hear all the time. Like I think all the people that I've talked to, you didn't say this but Everybody that I've talked to has talked about postpartum or said they had postpartum felt bad for feeling the way that they felt or they felt like they were crazy and you're not alone and it doesn't Mm -hmm. always go away overnight. But again, I think there are some things you can do to um, help with the situation. A, go to your doctor. Do not be afraid. Go talk to a doctor immediately. Um, But don't feel ashamed about it. Like if you have odd thoughts or weird thoughts or – Um, like with my daughter, I was like, it was, she was screaming at the top of her lungs one night and I was like, shut up, just shut up. Like I was just screaming because I was like, I can't deal with it anymore. I was exhausted. I was tired. And my husband has to come get her and take her away. He's like, you need a break. And I think those are the things we don't do as parents. We don't take the breaks. We don't take the time for ourselves. Whether you're a new mom or old mom, like you need time to yourself to be yourself, to enjoy your life. Because at the end of the day... Single, married, in a stable relationship, divorced, separate, whatever it is. At the end of the day, these kids are all going to grow up and move away. And it's going to be they are. <laughs> it's going to be hey, are yourself or dealing with your friends. See, I think that um, as African-Americans, there's this notion or concept that if you have postpartum, like I remember I told my friend about it, and she was like, you don't have that. That's what crazy people have. And me being a nurse, it's like, all I did was cry. And the thoughts that went through my head, like, literally, I would have to go in the shower and just stay in the shower Mm -hmm. and put the baby in the bed to make sure that I didn't do anything crazy. And I just hear so many stories. that There's this one girl, she burned her baby alive um, when I was doing clinicals. You've seen babies who were paralyzed because the mom threw the child against the wall and
1: oh postpartum.
0: My gosh. Yeah, I've seen it all. Postpartum depression is real. I had to get put on pills. I mm-hmm. I, I didn't take the pills. I thought was, I was like I'm not taking these pills. I'm not crazy. But I <laughs> I, I should have took them. Thank God I'm okay. But um right. Postpartum, it's real. It's definitely real. And there's a difference between, um, like, the baby blues, that little six right. weeks and, or two weeks, and having full-blown postpartum depression. And I had Correct. that with – I think, Logan, the, the one we planned, that's the only one I didn't have um, postpartum depression with. So, it's real. I wonder if there's a correlation. I'm joking. I do not believe that. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank you for your time. I don't know if there's any last words you want to give to our listeners before you go. Um, I would just say all oh, moms, love yourself. If you are not your best you, you can't be the best mom that you're capable of being for your kids. So take care of you first and enjoy life. And drink some wine. <laughs> <laughs> we all know. Everybody knows wine is my favorite thing in the world. Um, wine is my best friend. <laughs> Uh, that is my preferred drug of choice. Um, thank you guys all for listening this week. Thank you, Mom Debs, for coming on and sharing your mom experience. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Shit Shower Shave. Shit with a Y, not an I. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Check out our website. Follow us on SoundCloud subscribe and like on itunes and i believe that we're going to be adding stitcher soon so keep on the lookout for that and i believe that we are approaching um a hundred likes or follows or whatever they are um on facebook and on instagram so at a 100 likes i'm going to be doing a giveaway um possibly for one of our partner and mom so keep on the lookout for that but until next week thank you guys have a great week